And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Civilized Barking Podcast with Zach Jackson. Hey everybody, thanks for coming to Civilized Barking. I'm Zach Jackson, talking Browns and Texans. Um, If you're new here, welcome. If you're not, we appreciate you. Uh, it's been a different Brown season. It's been a mostly positive Brown season. It now feels to me like they haven't played in four weeks. Um, maybe it feels like that to you. I don't know. A lot's going on in the world. Um, even on the Browns bye week, you know, it was all quiet. Baker Mayfield went on the COVID list. He's back. Uh, we fully anticipate Nick Chubb and Wyatt Teller back. We'll see how the pitch counter, whatever it is, goes with Chubb. But Um, The Browns come to the second half of the season for the first time since 2014, having a chance to make the playoffs. Browns come to the second season, you know, providing some hope and some growth. Um, If you've listened, if you've read, I am more optimistic about their long-term future than the rest of this year, specifically because of the defense, but we'll see. Anyway, thank you. Um, Download, share, subscribe, review, all of that stuff. Subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't. Um, we got a football game to talk about. My colleague in Houston is Aaron Reese. Um, he's covered the Texans for a few years, so he's seen some good. He's now seeing some bad. Uh, Aaron, the game is not so Sunday at one, but both teams have already given up a 50-yard touchdown pass. How did that happen? <laughs> well, the Texans' top corner is Vernon Hargraves, or one of so that's how it happened. Uh, yeah, uh, these teams, these defenses are pretty uh, not great. And so I think it'll be really fun. It'll probably be an f- entertaining game. I'm not sure who's going to win, but I, uh, I expect a lot of points. Yeah. So one thing I do when I'm starting to write some stuff is like, if I see a stat, I'll log it, like I'll, I'll screenshot it or I'll email it to myself, but I try not to go back to it until I've kind of written, you know, to give some context, right. Unless it's just an outrageous or outlandish stat. So I saw some of the Texans defensive numbers the other day and I screenshotted them, but I didn't go back to the exact numbers before we started doing this. I'm going to let you do that. But the one that really jumps out to me that I can't get out of my mind is they didn't have an interception till October 18th. And last week they got their second of the season. And, you know, that's kind of been Baker's Achilles heel. Um, we know the numbers are bad across the board. So, just how bad are they? Is that the worst one? I guess is what I'm asking you. Uh, it's definitely one of you. I mean, cause you know, the, um, the, the team, uh, they, they, they could have, should have, they were playing Jake Lutton or Lutton. I don't know how he pronounced his last name. The, the Jaguars rookie backup quarterback. It was his first start and he put up, you know, over 300 yards on them. Uh, and, but he, they kind of let him off easy. Cause he threw, I, I would say four potential picks. 
Uh, one of them was actually picked off by Vernon Hargraves, but there was also a potential pick six that uh, Zach Cunningham tipped a pass uh, on a blitz. And then Tyrell Adams, another linebacker dropped. And then Philip Gaines, who was uh, starting and normally comes off the bench, but was starting because Bradley Roby didn't make the trip for disciplinary reasons. He dropped two picks. I mean, at the end of the day, this defense is just um, – it just does not have a lot of talent, especially in the secondary. Secondary cornerback is just a really weak spot for them. With Roby out, I, I looked this up during the game. They were playing Hargraves, uh, Gaines, and uh, Keon Crossan, who's more of a special teams guy, but those were their top three corners. And I think those three guys collectively accounted for like 1.4% of uh, the cap this year. So this is just not – this team is paying more money to running backs than cornerbacks. Um, so it's just a pretty weak spot for them. And so I think Baker Makefield could be in for a big day. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how the Browns attack because they get everybody back for one. Um, they have the extra the bye week, which means the self-scout, throw out the bad plays, focus on the good ones, right? And the Browns are a run-first team. Um, that doesn't mean they're an only run team, but the run game sets up everything else. Um, you know, what is the vibe from the Texans in terms of Chubb, in terms of Kareem Hunt? You know, we know Odell's not going to be there, but Jarvis should be healthy. Austin Hooper's a good player. You know, is there one thing they're going to try or need to take away to have a chance or are both teams just kind of going to see who can get to 38 first? Uh, you know, I think, I think the Texans, you talked to Romeo Cornell about the play action attack of the Browns and, and all that, and just kind of the way their offense is set up and what he has said over and over, what JJ Watt has said too, is like the focus has to be kind of on keying in on the run, stopping the run, and then everything will kind of flow from there. But I don't really think that is realistic. I mean, this team ranks uh, 28th in run defense DVOA, 23rd against the pass. So they've been slightly worse against the run, not really good in either. Uh, they've given up over 200 yards to Derrick Henry. Dalvin Cook killed him, and the Vikings killed him with play action. Uh, you know, Lamar Jackson killed him. I mean, they, they just have gotten crushed on the ground over and over and over again. Uh, and, you know, part of the problem was that Zach Cunningham, their high-paid middle, middle linebacker, he, uh, he, he was uncharacteristically bad for the first – five or so weeks. And that kind of turned around in recent weeks. He, he hasn't been missing as many tackles. Um, but I still think that just in general, this defense is pretty weak uh, and especially bad against the run. And I think that's why it's a really terrible matchup defensively for the Texans. Um, so their only hope is, you know, Deshaun Watson kind of bailing them out, which I think is, is possible, but, um, or, or Baker Mayfield bailing them out with a mistake or two. Yeah. Um, I, you know, like I said, I think the Browns goal will be to mostly take it out of Baker's hands. I think they'll get him some quick ones early. Um, to kind of test some things. I think without Odell, they'll have to script the deeper routes, you know, more than, than get them in the flow of the game. But I, I look for at least one early to try to do that. Um, you know, I think most of our Cleveland listeners aren't super familiar with the personnel outside of, of Watt and of Cunningham and of Bradley Roby, right? And he wasn't there last week. So I do know from reading you, from following them in my, my own game prep, they have made some personnel changes. Um was that, you know, necessitated by absences or, you know, has Romeo and, and the staff done some things over the next couple of weeks that you'll notice that the defense being even a little bit better? Uh, you know, I, I don't know if they'll really be better. They have, they have made some changes. It's been more by necessity. They lost the number three safety, A.J. Moore, and then that caused them to lead to sliding uh, Lonnie Johnson, a 2019 second-round pick to safety. He had uh, been pretty penalty-prone as, as a corner, and so he's not as penalty-prone, but he's made some big mistakes. I would say there's at least two coverage busts that 
been his his fault that uh, led to touchdowns uh, since he's moved to safety. So he he's been a struggle at at safety, and they've been moving Justin Reed, their better safety, down in the box to help against the run, and that might have helped a little bit. But I think that in turn has made them more vulnerable to um, to deep passes um, to shots. Uh, that you know that was one thing they actually did do well in defense last year. There wasn't a lot they did well, but that that was one of the few things was limiting those big plays. And so now they're starting to give up some some of those chunk plays. Uh, you know they're gonna be they're gonna get Whitney Merciless back. Uh, he was on he was out because he was a close contact uh, and, and COVID testing. And so that'll help a little bit, but he's kind of been underwhelming this year. They're going to be without Jacob Martin, their other kind of like um, sub pass rusher and, and he, cause he was COVID positive. And so that, that'll be a bit of a loss, but yeah, I mean, overall this defense is just, uh, you know, they're, they're somewhat limited and you just look at how they kind of spent their money. It's not really that much of a surprise. This team was built um, to win shootouts. And so that's kind of the only way they can uh, win games. But what's, what surprised me in the first half of the season, I guess, is that I, I thought maybe the defense could be the 20th worst defense in the league or something like that. But, you know, they're probably like a bottom three, bottom four unit. Uh, and the running game, if it was even like league average, uh, I think that would be okay. That would be good enough for Deshaun, but it's the worst rushing offense in the league. So you combine those things and, and the margin of error for Watson just becomes uh, really small. And that's why at the end of the day, they're two and six. Right. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, let's get into some more fun stuff here, Aaron, because these teams are not rivals. They've played through the years um, and not really significant games because it's been so long since the Browns have been good and a couple of times when the Browns were better, the Texans were in their infancy or, or were struggling. But there are some pretty deep connections here, um, several of them. So let's roll through them and let's start with Romeo Cornell, one of the nicest men in football, one hell of a football coach and a defensive coach and an amazing career of different organizations, different levels of success, keeps trying to retire, keeps pulling, getting pulled back. Um, a guy who makes the organization he's working for better, but not a guy you want as your head coach. <laughs> and we know he, he wasn't designed to be the head coach. Um, you know, what are your impressions of Romeo? Um, what, you know, what has he been able to do differently 
either for good or bad in his month plus uh, on the job? Yeah, I mean, uh, for, I would say first from a, a reporter perspective, it, it sure is nice to talk to him three times a week or four times a week, whatever it is, versus talking to Bill O'Brien four times a week. I mean, uh, he just he, 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 he's honest about uh, about injuries. You know, he gives good he gives insightful answers, you know, he'll, uh, um, and he's you know, he's just kind of fun to talk to, like, like you mentioned. Um, and, and I think some of those those sort of qualities, they bleed through um, to the team. And that is that has kind of been important for this team is, you know, I mean, look, at the end of the day. Uh, this team is probably not going to make the playoffs. It'd be, it would take a, a sort of miracle run for them to make the playoffs. Uh, they're they're very disappointing. They don't have first or second round picks, so you know, I mean, they're kind of in this sort of no man's land. And I, I think it's important, uh, especially in, in comparison to a personality like Bill O'Brien, who I think really wears on people when it's not producing good results. Uh, to have a guy like Romeo who can kind of lighten the mood, and, and you know, all the players, you know, basically said as much after he after he came over. And, and so I think that's kind of been his uh, his charge here during the season is like, can he keep these guys engaged and not, um, you know, turning on each other and, and stuff like that? And you know, I think I think he's I think he's done an okay job of that. And and you know, I also think that they're going to probably start winning some more games here um, in the the back half of the season. The schedule just gets a lot lighter. You know, they obviously started with a really brutal start against um, the Steelers, Ravens, and Chiefs that I think looks even um, even harder now in, in the context of how good the Steelers are this year. Um, but so, yeah, I think that's kind of been, that's been the thing with him and, and he's done a good job of it. And, and I, you know, I, what I've been impressed by with him, Romeo, the most is like uh, for how old he is, I mean, he's the oldest guy to ever be a head coach in an NFL game. He uh, he's been made some kind of modern, more aggressive decisions. You know, he went for fourth on fourth down in his first game as interim coach to, to put the Jags away. And then he obviously went for two um, against the, uh, uh, the Titans in a decision that was uh, kind of uh, criticized or debated, but I liked it. You know, you, you, I'd rather Deshaun Watson get me two yards to win the game than trust this defense. So I've been, I've been impressed by kind of um, some of his approaches. It has not been maybe as, as old school as I, uh, as I thought it would be. And, and obviously like I said, he's been, he's been fun to cover. Yeah. I mean, his, well, I mean, he worked for the Browns twice, uh, but everyone remembers his four years as head coach and his famous in his last year, when everything started going off the rails one day, um, Dante Stallworth took a spike to the foot from Braylon Edwards or maybe it was the other way around. But anyway, one of them was running around uh, barefoot after practice and got spiked by his position mate and missed some time. And when Romeo was asked about it, he said, kids will be kids. They run around with their shoes off all the time. (laughs) 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 And and I just, you know, that was 12 years ago and I've incorporated, I say it every week in some form or fashion, kids will be kids. Um, Deshaun Watson is a talented kid. A really gifted kid. He deserves better. And frankly, as I look at the Texans organizationally, not just in light of yesterday's news, but over the past year, what they let Bill O'Brien do and then pulled the plug on him and all of that. I mean, really the difference um, in the Browns level of incompetence for the last 11 or so years is only that they have their quarterback, right? The Browns decided to give Deshaun Watson to the Texans in the 2017 draft. Um, You know, what are they going to do? Going forward, you mentioned the lack of picks. You know, tell tell me about Deshaun's growth and tell me your early read on who might be his next coach and what they can do to to get better around him. Yeah, you know, I actually uh, I'm I'm writing something about this for the athletic uh, that I'll post later this week about uh, how, how Watson is kind of redefining uh, how good a, a bad team's quarterback can be. I, you know, I've, I've been doing a lot of research on this and and kind of by any metric you want to look at. I mean, he basically is outpacing. 
um, the, the best passing performances of any team that won like less than five games. And that maybe that is indicative that this team is better than a five win team and that they ultimately will, you know, finish more like seven and nine or, or something like that. But, uh, you know, in terms of growth, the big thing has been and, and working on the story and talking to people is about how he just is uh, he's running less than he had in the past. Um, although he did, he did scramble 10 times and lead the team in rushing uh, last week against the Jags. In general, he has been running less and it's not so much, I think, a function of them not wanting to run him or trying to protect him. I think it is this, that he is, uh, he is more confident and willing to stand in the pocket, uh, make his reads and, and make a throw. And he's been really, really accurate this year. And he is, uh, you know, he doesn't seem to really be missing DeAndre Hopkins, at least not in the the sort of aggregate. I think it's maybe there's a few plays a game where he's behind the sticks because David Johnson got stuffed on first down. And now it's, you know, it's third and nine and he's got to make a play or this drive ends and they probably lose the game. And that is, I think, where you really miss a guy like Hopkins being able to kind of throw it to him if he's not open. But in general, uh, the passing offense is more efficient than it ever was with DeAndre Hopkins. And so I think that's been very interesting to watch in terms of kind of where they go from here around him. I'm, I mean, for one thing is I wonder if they keep this receiving core together, given all I just said, you know, uh, Brandon cooks, he has three more years left on his deal, but it's uh, no more guaranteed money. And they probably need to bring his cap hit down because the, um, the salary cap is going down. And, and also if they want to keep Will Fuller, who is having uh, the best year of his career, uh, you know, highest target share of his career has stayed healthy, which has obviously been an issue for him. And so if he keeps playing like, like this he's going to get a, a pretty sizable deal in free agency it could be tough for them to hold on to him but at the same time with the sort of results they're putting up as a as a passing game i don't know if uh, you want to get rid of him watson was asked about fuller potentially getting traded to the packers after the um after week nine and he said it would have been hell if they had traded him so i think right. he's made very clear he wants to hold on to fuller uh so the, the biggest thing is kind of what do they do around him you know they got to make probably at least one change on the offensive line at right guard uh zach fulton has really struggled there he's definitely the the offensive lineman to watch in this game of, in terms of how the browns can punish him uh and then david johnson you know it's been a totally failed experiment at running back they're gonna have to get a new running back but those are kind of the only changes i see on offense necessary um the biggest thing is just can you improve the defense and how do you do that and is jj watt a part of it i you know all indications are watt is not he's been pretty non-committal and people ask him about his future here he said he wants to win a super bowl he's not interested in a rebuild uh, so that doesn't seem like something they're going to, they're not going to be a Super Bowl contender next year. I don't think. Uh, and so they're going to have a lot of pieces to, to kind of need to be moving around on defense. They have a lot of holes on defense and I don't really see a way that they can fix it all with picks. Um, so but they have, you know, they're going to have a lot of contracts they can kind of move around or cut or whatever to create space and, and make some stuff happen in free agency. Is it going to be Eric B You know, I, I think that would be a really interesting, um, a really interesting choice. Uh, and I've, I've heard, I've heard that that's, he's certainly on the list. Um, you know, but I, I think that they're going to have a really, really wide search. That's been all indications. Uh, and I don't know if they're necessarily going to view it. Like they have to necessarily place an offensive mind, uh, over the control of the search. You know, what's, what's interesting about it is, um, Jack Easterby, who's the ex- interim GM, he was the VP of football ops or executive VP of football ops. Uh, that's the title however, for back to when they hire a GM, um, you know, he has, he has a lot of influence on this team and he was, uh, he was Bill Bryan's right-hand man during all this, this sort of stuff. And, you know, kind of the, the way they would, uh, spin it now is that he was ultimately deferring to O'Brien and, you know, O'Brien is a, a, a kind of cult of personality and you just had to, you had to follow what he said. And, and, you know, there, there probably is some truth to that, but, but at the end of the day, it's like, it does make you wonder, like if this guy kind of had these sort of value structures in place to believe in, you know, valuing David Johnson the way they did to value sort of the positions they did, um, Who's to know that they're going to, you know, think kind of the conventional thinking that 
uh, you got to hire an offensive head coach who's going to stick with Watson and, uh, um, and, you know, kind of make him flourish. I'm not, I'm not sure that that's necessarily the, uh, the sort of values they're going to put in place. So Easter B is a big, big culture guy. And one of the knocks on the enemy, uh, right or wrong, you know, I'm not in the room is that he, he doesn't interview well or whatever. And so if he's not a convincing personality, I don't, I don't know if that's the sort of guy who, uh, who gets this job. Yeah. I mean, I know that has nothing to do with Sunday, but I mean, I cover a coaching search every year. So I just, um, you know, I know, I know how this stuff goes. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right. Um, so David Johnson has been a bust, which everybody could see coming. He's just not the same player anymore. So Duke Johnson gets the call up. And... I have long been a fan of Duke Johnson. Now, he was never an A1 running back in this league, right? He's, he's not a great between-the-tackles runner. He's not big enough to be. But he, he has a, a unique skill set. He has a certain skill set, uh, multiple skills, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And I would imagine, given the circumstances, that um, he will be pumped up for this game. Now, guys, let's, let's be honest. You know, there was some stuff that swirled around his trade. And, of course, he wanted out when the Browns went to Kareem Hunt. Baker made a comment, just a comment, that maybe he should have said something. The, the big thing is the Browns extended Duke Johnson before they traded him. And they knew, and Duke knew he was going to get cut unless he got traded. So along comes Bill O'Brien, the worst GM. Well, I don't know, not, not worse than Ray Farmer, but one of the worst GMs there ever was. And gives a third-round pick for a backup running back in Duke Johnson. Have you guys heard from Duke this week? I know it's so hard without actually being able to be in the locker room, but you expected motivated Duke Johnson. And do you agree with my assessment that the Texans just haven't used the guy? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, I, um, I have not, we have not talked to him this week. We last talked to him uh, after the game on Sunday. Uh, Cause he, you know, he got a career high 20 touches uh, because David Johnson was out. And so I think we're going to get to see kind of uh, more heavy workload for him again this week with David Johnson didn't practice on Wednesday with a concussion. And, you know, that would indicate seem to be trending towards him not playing on Sunday. Um, yeah. I mean, he, uh, I totally agree with the assessment. They, they didn't use him. I, I think if you're, if you're going to trade a third round pick for him, the price is a little rich, but you know, you can at least, get something out of him. This guy, I mean, he averaged 6.5 yards per touch last season, which was third among all running backs with at least a hundred touches. So, I mean, he is, he's very effective when he gets the ball, but he has, you know, for whatever reason, whether it's his size or I, I don't know what, but no team has wanted to give him the ball um, as much as it seems like he should be getting it. And, you know, he obviously, his 20 touches this past week kind of inflated the number, but if you look through the first seven games, I think he was averaging 5.6 touches per game, which was the second lowest uh, number of his career. And it matched only his uh, um, his total from uh, – or it was only outpaced his average from the last season with the Browns. So, I mean, it, they, they're just not getting the sort of production you should be getting out of a guy you traded a, a third-round pick for. And the trade looks pretty bad. But I, I do think at least he will probably stick around uh, one more year. He has one more year under contract. Um, there's no more guaranteed money on the deal. So, you know, given kind of the cap going down and, and how the drive for agency will be for running backs, I imagine he probably will be able to uh, be a guy they restructure. 
uh, and David Johnson will be gone. So maybe he finally gets a, a little bit of a heavier workload. But yeah, I mean, and that was another criticism of the, da- the David Johnson deal was like, you already have a guy on this team who can who can catch passes out of the backfield. You right. take you a third round pick for him. Why are you trading DeAndre Hopkins for another one? You know, so um, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's an effective player, um, not an effective enough player to get a third round pick for, um, and certainly not an effective enough player to give a third round pick for if you're giving him 5.6 touches per game. Right. All right. So um, the Browns had all 53 guys in practice on Wednesday and Nick Chubb is 54. Uh, he, he will be activated by the end of the week, barring a setback. There's no reason to think he will have that. That's the other Browns Texans trade connection with the pick acquired and the Brock Osweiler trade, which was a brilliant trade. The Browns just fumbled the execution by not knowing what they wanted to keep Osweiler or not. They got Nick Chubb. He's become one of the best football players in the NFL and he's coming back on Sunday. Um, Aaron, I look for this. I look for the Browns to establish Chubb to throw off of some play action stuff. Austin Hooper is going to be heavily involved. I've tried to tell you fantasy nerds that, that they're going to get him his touches. Uh, and I still think Kareem Hunt, you know, will play a role. So other than just letting Deshaun create, which I know that he does, and 8.8 yards per attempt, you know, that speaks to a quarterback who plays for a bad defense, right? <laughs> but that that yeah. speaks to a talented quarterback. Other than just letting him create, you know, what do we expect to see in a game that we both expect you have to score at least 30 to win? Yeah, I, you know, I think uh, um, one thing I'll be watching is, is kind of where uh, Miles Garrett lines up. You know, he, I know he kind of is a guy who moves um, to both sides, but I, I wonder, you know, did, do you have a matchup against Laramie Tunsil and kind of let Laramie Tunsil and him play that one-on-one game and, and hope Laramie Tunsil uh, neutralizes him if you're the Texans? Um, or do you, as the Browns, kind of say, we can, uh, you know, line Garrett on the right side. He can probably feast a little bit on that right side of the line. Like I mentioned, the right guard, Zach Fulton, is probably their most vulnerable lineman. And, you know, can you get a lot of consistent pressure on Watson uh, that way? Because I, I think that's what you're going to need to do with how, how well he's been, he's been passing the ball. Uh, beyond that, you know, I think another guy to keep an eye on um, is another guy who played for the Browns, uh, Darren Fells. And he has, you know, he wasn't much of a receiver when he played uh, for um, Cleveland, but since he's come to Houston last year and then again this year, he's been uh, like more productive as a receiver than he had been anywhere else in his career, even though he's 34. And he's uh, he's been quite the red zone threat for them uh, these, pa- these past two seasons. And, and the other guy to watch on offense, I would say, is Will Fuller. Like I mentioned, he is uh, um, someone they you know, was kind of caught in a bunch of trade deadline rumors, and, and he's having the best season of his career. And I, I think he could be in line for a big day here. Is Gary on back? No, that has been uh that has been a, a, a total uh total mess. If you're gonna talk about bad trades for third round picks, that probably outpaces the Duke Johnson one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, they gave up Gary Ann Conley, uh or they gave up a third round pick that they acquired in the Jadavian Clowney trade for Gary on Conley, um, a cornerback at the trade deadline. And that was kind of uh, O'Brien had this big idea of like, it seemed like he was trying to find depressed assets of, you know, acquiring first round picks who the next team wants to give up on. That's why Vernon Hargraves is on this team too. Though they picked him up off waivers and, you know, Conley, they traded a third round pick for him and he played pretty well during the back half of last season. Um, I would, you know, I mean, obviously not well enough that they picked up his fifth year option, but well enough that, you know, I thought he was at least a serviceable solid, like a- average starter. Um, and then he, in training camp, he was like, you know, practicing with the twos and it was pretty odd. Uh, he had come off off-season ankle surgery. He did not look good. And they started him on IR. And, you know, every time we asked for an update, he's, he's not close. So, and they, cause like I said, they didn't pick up his fifth year option. This is his contract year. Uh, so it looks like he's not going to play at all this season and they're going to have given up a third round pick for eight games of a, uh, an average cornerback, which is, well, annoying. I'm the master of salesmanship and transitions. And part of the reason I ask is he's a local kid. 
And he's a graduate of Maslin, who just a couple weeks ago, I wrote that story on the cult of Maslin football. And I encourage you, Aaron, and all of you guys listening to check it out. Uh, I encourage all of you guys to check out everything. I've already read one of Aaron's or one of Aaron's stories from this week, a lot of them from the past getting ready. I've got another one posting this afternoon. It'll be up by the time you listen. So Sunday at one on Fox, um, Dick Stockton is on the call because Fox has an overload of one o'clock games because of the Masters. So it's going to feel more like Oilers Browns than Texans Browns. But enjoy it. The Browns haven't played in a while. Aaron Reese, thank you. All of you guys listening, thank you. Remember, subscribe and share Civilized Parking. Subscribe to The Athletic, and we will be back with another podcast after Sunday's game. It's a big one for the Browns as they try to get to 6-3. and three. Thank you for listening. Thanks, Zach.